Hey everybody, welcome to the opening bumper of this episode that Andrew asked me to help with. Thank you, Craig, for helping with this opening. You're welcome. Uh, this is not going to be a normal episode of the show. We are not going to talk about a book. We asked informally, you have to say that for the record, if folks would listen to an Election Feelings podcast. We've had a bunch of them, and since you are all awesome people, just like being able to talk to each other knowing that you're out listening is it's very selfishly therapeutic for us but we also like know that some of you it might be therapeutic for you if it is not do not listen like we will not be offended if you just want to hear a book um go listen to an old episode of the show skip us for this bonus episode yeah that's why we're that's why we're like cordoning it off because most people were like yeah cool do an election episode because i need like i need to know someone else is here with me and then some of you are like, no, I can't. Like, I need somewhere that people aren't having election feelings. So, yeah, we we respect that. If you do have those feelings, like, delete the show and don't listen, and we're not gonna we're not gonna feel bad about it. But but we also feel like it would probably be irresponsible of us to not use the show that we've built to at least kind of say what we're thinking about some of this stuff. Exactly. Um, Welcome so aboard. You signed up. Oh, and also, also there will be cussing. Oh, yeah, cussing. <laughs> Bumper out. When did we start calling them bumpers? I don't know. You just started calling them bumpers. I, t- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Can't be held responsible for the stuff I say. No, and we're apparently po- we're neither fact, can anyone. <laughs> post fact America now, Craig. Uh, I don't need to. I don't need to remember what I said, when I said God. it, or why, or Your how. Problem is that you live in reality, Andrew? Or to whom? <laughs> Welcome to something we're gonna overdo a podcast about how we feel about the 2016 united states presidential election my name is andrew <laughs> my name is craig and my feelings are way overdue uh, shut up a- actually they're not um so as as you just listened to us say a couple seconds ago um we want to talk about this bullshit um world that we're living in and Andrew and I were together for a period of time on election night. And Until we just could not. Or I <laughs> specifically could not. Yeah. I came home late from rehearsal to people who were already worried and upset. And it didn't get better from there. So No, it didn't. No, it didn't. So now we're in this podcast that we just started. And I'm not really sure like exactly how it's going to go. There's no author to talk about except our own failings as a culture mm-hmm. and there's no book to talk about except the unwritten horror novel that is our country the, for, cho- the horrible future choose your own adventure book where every page has an ending and they're all bad andrew saying <laughs> saying choose your own adventure implies that you have a say in how this is going we and- the voters chose our own adventure collectively 
as a people, except we didn't because of the Electoral College. There's kind of um, like a thing where I don't, I like doing choose your own adventure books with you, Andrew. I don't, I think there are plenty of You people don't want to do it with like <laughs> that I don't millions do and it. millions of other people who you've never <laughs> like, met. Yeah, like maybe like 47% of the country. <laughs> oh no, 47% of the quarter of the country that voted, I guess, or whatever the ratio. I've no, lost it was the like, numbers. So like half fish of the country voted. Sure. About a quarter, like half of each half voted for one of the two major party candidates. Sure. And then the other half stayed home, which is a problem all of it, all in and of itself. But I, I wanted to try and start, I guess, with some basic factual background stuff. Oh, for our, how, for our, how revolutionary of you. Yeah, I know. Right. For our um, for our international listeners who I imagine have been watching with like a sort of somewhere between like bemusement and horror. Because yeah. maybe maybe we didn't think that America was dumb enough to do what it did, but like they probably knew. Well, and I I was thinking back to like the Brexit vote and people that I do know have connections to the UK who were dismayed about that. And oh I yeah, was people gave me a ton of contacts on that, which I super appreciated. Um, but also I don't. That was not like an, a two year ramp up in an explicit way the way no, that this God. horror show was so why don't you just tell tell us a tale andrew tell us a, us a soothing tale. bedtime story so yeah a, a primer on u.s politics for people who don't live in the country is if i were going to pick a few words and you can throw in a couple words here too if you have them but i think the right words are like polarized and like tribal hyperpartisan people are always like once voted into office people are always making decisions based on how they think it'll affect their poll numbers and not like not actually trying to like govern effectively which kind of sucks yeah and i'm sure this is going on in other countries i i feel like whether or not i i wonder how new that exact feeling is though i have to it like i have to believe that the like wealth of data over the internet that you could get at any given second about how your constituents feel about you would greatly change how like current elected officials deal with like what they're doing so to give like people who have no idea just a little bit of context we've got three different branches of government and at the federal level those are basically the president and the executive branch um, the two houses of Congress for the legislative branch and then the Supreme Court for the judicial branch. Um, the president can do a lot of stuff, like especially in foreign policy, especially like post 9-11. Like they, presidents like uh, George W. Bush and Obama have both been granted like a lot of powers to do things unilaterally because we're in a never-ending permanent state of war now well and then and over the course of u.s history like there have been there's been this push and pull where the where congress has more power where the president has more power i think we're at a really like a, a peak of presidential power like probably obama can do more than mm -hmm. any other president has ever been able to which is about to bite us in the ass which is fun but yeah, like to formally declare war, I believe the president needs to go to Congress. Congress passes laws, like they come up with legislation. It has to pass both houses and then it goes to the president. 
who can either sign it or veto it. And if he vetoes it, it goes back to Congress and Congress can like override that veto with, I believe, a two thirds majority in both houses. Yeah, I think so. Um, And then the Supreme Court have like when when Congress passes a law that gets like challenged like it may or may not be constitutional or if something from a lower court like what often happens is you will have a case get kicked up the ladder up the ladder up the ladder from like local to state to federal um then the supreme court will hear those cases and like interpret the law and then like once they issue a ruling that can change the way that current laws are like interpreted and implemented is that about right that sounds about right and then from there, you layer on this like partisan soup. Right. So like, oh you... right, and the and the other thing, sorry about the Supreme Court is that the check, the check there is of course you know Congress can decide to pass laws that invalidate Supreme Court yes. rulings, and also the sitting president gets to make Supreme Court appointments. Current, well, there are supposed to be nine justices. <laughs> typically. Oh, I'm laughing. In oh, it's been this whole fucking Fucking thing, morning. <laughs> oh my God. I, okay. I, like trying to explain this to somebody who has no idea. It's like, if this was a TV drama, I would say, wow, this is stupid. Like, Andrew, how did the writers come up with this crap? Andrew, we need what? to, there are some issues we need to talk about, about the current state of the United States. But first, I need to tell you that I got married in April. You were there. You saw it happen. Mm-hmm. A cup like a month or so before. I don't really remember. I'd have to check my Google calendar. Laura and I went up to New York City. New York and City. We got our wedding bands, mm-hmm. right? Not people playing music. The things you put on your finger. We got wedding bands. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in a bar drinking some booze, mm-hmm. celebrating our impending nuptials. And I turned on my phone and Scalia had died. One of the yeah, one of the Supreme Court justices, a conservative justice, died. And so what normally happens here is the president comes up with a an appointee mm-hmm. and then he goes to the Senate and says, Hey, what do y'all think of this guy or woman? Because Obama's appointments have both been women, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Alina pretty cool. Kagan and Sotomayor. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um what the Senate said to the democratically elected president with most of a year left in his second term. And there is a two-term limit, so Obama cannot run again. He cannot be president again. Um, They said, well, why don't we wait for the election and let the American people decide was the line? Because that's not what the Constitution says. The president does it. The president is, does it. This is like we're getting into this because we're going to come back to it later when we talk about like the implications of what happened. But basically, the Republican, like the Congress is currently run by Republicans. Obama's a Democrat. So the Senate Republicans basically roll the dice and say, we're going to block this dude in the hopes that we win the presidency. And then we can appoint a conservative justice and then things can can lean our way for like the foreseeable future. And that is unprecedented. Like there are a couple there are a couple things in politics right now that are unprecedented. Like that move is unprecedented. And I believe the last couple like sessions of Congress have been the least productive. 
Well, yeah, you, like either mm-hmm. the least productive ever or the least productive in modern history. Like it's just it's gridlocked all to hell. Like it's so hard for us to even keep the lights on because we are not we don't talk to each other anymore. Worse than the 90s, um, certainly. And for like when you were talking about executive power and the growth of executive power, you and I have talked about this before. Like I I there are some things that Obama can do and have done that like make me a little nervous, but I also recognize that like he started taking what he could because he had two branches of government being like, nope, sorry, dude, yeah, you don't get to do anything. Mm-hmm. So like, if I were president and it seemed like my country liked me for the most part, I would probably still want to get stuff done. And as an outgoing president. Like Obama is more popular than most people are. I think his job approval ratings at like fifty six percent right now, which yeah. does it, which wouldn't be great if it was a spelling test. But for a U.S. <laughs> president, like that's pretty good. That's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, hyper partisan. You've got people. So like in- that's the that's the yeah. backdrop that this election is taking place against. I guess right. Yes, and so then you have this. You have the Democrats winnow down to bernie sanders and hillary clinton there's that other guy mark o'malley not it's mark not, O'Malley. no I, I was that the guy from guts no that's yeah. mike o'malley <laughs> so hillary clinton gets the nomination after an unexpectedly challenging democratic primary yep i think most people expected her to coast into it pretty easily because she had the backing of pretty much the entire like party establishment which there is have been because some... <sighs> Real quick, Andrew. Yo. Okay, cool. Go. Like, I am actually very excited about what Sanders' campaign has done to pull elements of the Democratic Party to the left of the political spectrum and get some more progressive uh, platform ideals into the party. I think he was running an outsider campaign. So while I'm excited that he drew a lot of people into the political process, I am not surprised that the like Democrats who were already sitting there ready to run a presidential campaign were like, what's this guy up to? Yeah. Like basically like he was an outsider and that's cool that he got involved and brought a lot of other people involved. But when, when for me, there's this like, Oh, but the, the party wasn't rallying around him. I was like, well, he wasn't a member of their party before that, before this campaign. Like that, and it's cool that he made the inroads that he did and transformed this party by joining it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just needed to say that out loud. And whoa. no, no, it's cool. And like, there were there were maybe what like four or five different contenders like facing off against Hillary in that primary, and most people expected them to, and they mostly did, like fold. I don't know, like a closed person on laundry day. <laughs> A, huh? A clothes person. A clothes person. Yeah. Sh- yeah. On laundry day. Sure. Like I, folding their clothes. Yeah. Or they like mostly a, like they mostly got no votes and went away. <laughs> well, a person made of clothes should not be running for president. You're Listen, right. Listen, that's not. There ain't no rule in the Constitution <laughs> says a pile we're, of clothes oh can't run for president. God, we're just in an air butt election, Andrew. <laughs> So okay, so that that's the that's the Democratic side. Yes. Um, over, meanwhile, over on, on the Republican side, you have literally like what, like fucking seventeen people. Yeah, and I like read a, a very a very very large and very weak pool of candidates. 
yeah, I've read a lot about about a lot of conflicting theories as to why that happened, and it seems like the the combination of the establishment Republicans and the Tea Party movement that like brought a lot of people into kind of this like fiefdom level status in the party of like you're not leading the whole thing because like Paul Ryan was like I'm I'm in charge but all these other people were like but I could be in charge too and they all had their own groups of people behind them because they'd won small victories against the Democrats and against Obama in their own like for their own constituents Mm -hmm. um so that like fractured as you said 17 person contestant pool yeah meant that no one could consolidate report for, uh, support from the establishment. You had that kind of split between Rubio and Kasich and, and Bush. Jeff, early and, on, Bush. Yeah. and then, like, Cruz is your outsider. And then, apparently, we just... Everyone just decided that Bush was a closed person. Well, <laughs> like, what... Okay, so what What happens, basically, is is in what? Like, September of 2015... Donald Trump like comes down a gold escalator in his fucking palace in New York and he proclaims that he's running for president. And so yeah. Donald Trump, he very briefly flirted with a run back in 2012 that was mostly perceived to be like a publicity thing. Mm-hmm. And he also like rose to a certain kind of political pro- prominence by loudly and repeatedly proclaiming that Barack Obama was not born in the United States and therefore not a citizen and not eligible for the presidency in the first place, which is false. It it is provenly false. And everybody thought it was put to bed like a long, long time ago that Obama even had to dignify it with a response. Cause what, cause what happened was that Trump, and this is a thing he fucking does all the time is he just says, you know, there are questions like some people are telling me like he never, he never names names. He never has like specific stuff to say, but it's all this like dog whistle stuff. And because our politics are so fragmented and so tribal, like Republicans are ready to do pretty much anything they can to undermine this, this fairly popular guy who is swept into office. Yeah. Um, and so they will, they don't say they agree with them, but they don't say they won't. They mostly just like sit back and let it happen. Well, and if they get a whiff that, if they get a whiff that, a significant portion of their constituents are interested in this topic like then yeah they're because everything is so precarious because both parties have a pretty significant floor in terms of support mm-hmm. because everything is so bipartisan and so but not so bipartisan, not bipartisan so partisan no, excuse me that, yeah. um that like it's that like how can i get that extra 2% well it's by not not agreeing with that guy. Right. Yeah. Like pretty much every presidential candidate at this point, like in this era, can expect like 40 percent of the electorate to just show up for them. Yep. Because of the party machine. And that's 40 to 45. And you're just like fighting over the rest of it. Yeah. And, and I, I, don't I don't know. Like to... I truly, I truly, truly do not understand these people who are undecided voters like a week before an election that's been going on for a year and a half. But like. Whatever, that's not that's just me, I guess. Well, and who was it? Rachel Maddow ran a piece that like looked at approval ratings or likability ratings for Trump and Clinton back in February 
and then looked at them again at the end of October, and they were exactly the same. Yeah. So like it was like you know like forty to twenty eight or some nonsense. Yeah. Let's just like gloss over the Republican primary real quickly. So you've got all these different candidates, like some establishment, some more populist, but like there are just there's so many of them that they can't they can't get support like rallied around them. And so what happened in 2012 is that that it was a similarly large and weakish pool of candidates. And for a couple of weeks, pretty much all of them were topping polling, like topping the polls, but eventually enough support coalesced around Mitt Romney, who's very much an establishment guy. Um, It is, it coalesced around him enough and like early enough that he was eventually able to knock everybody else out and and grab the nomination. So what happens in this primary is that Trump is like he he is bit he's a like what like a seventy year old man. He had a very popular TV show uh, last decade called The Apprentice. He has been in like American public life, not like elected public life, but in in the sense that he is around. In the, in the sense time. that he's like always been a butt of rich guy jokes, yes, for way longer than you'd expect, right? Like there, like Donald Trump was on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like as a rich, like as like in the nineties, and he was, I don't know, he's been he's been around forever, and he's we're not we don't necessarily need to get into like all the stuff he's bad at at business, but like he. What he successfully did was he branded himself as a successful businessman, and that's the spot that he occupied in popular life. And then to that, he adds this this populist streak of stuff that speaks to a certain kind of voter about like, oh, this this new president who just happens to be black, who you don't like all that much, like maybe he's not a legitimate president, like all this low-key racist bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so he comes into the primary with like name recognition and also people who are enthusiastic for for that sort of stuff, like the birtherism stuff. Yeah. Um. So he's winning races early on. The rest of the people in the pool just take forever to drop out. And by the time that gigantic pool of candidates is dropping out aggressively enough that the like Republican primary voters could conceivably back the uh, like one of the other ones Trump is just too far ahead to to catch and it's, and it's worth noting that primary voters like American voter turnout is not awesome anyway and the people who come out for primaries is like a fraction of a fraction of the electorate so it's usually like the loudest and most passionate voices I think it's n- about a quarter a quarter of the eligible electorate Mm-hmm. actually like participated in primary voting yeah or something so like, like. It's so not so great what can happen is that 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 impl- that amplifies fringe voices basically yeah so you have like a very small percentage of the total electorate picking the nominee for this thing and like in a normal race like you do the primary with everybody and then and you're like pandering to your base the whole time to win them over and then you go to the general and you pivot and you soften on stuff and you kind of move to the center a little bit and then you have the election in November and one person wins and there you go so yeah I mean like yeah that's basically what happened I don't know that we need to give a ton of context on like why Donald Trump was unqualified but the the long and short of it is that 
he said and did, he was just lying constantly. There was a video in early October of him from 2005 saying that, you know, bragging about sexually assaulting women. I don't need to get into like the exact phraseology, I don't think. And chances are most people subject people to that. But. Yeah. And chances are most people listening to this episode have heard of that shit. And they've heard of the dog whistle racist shit, and they've heard of the immigrant fearing, like Muslim demonizing, Mexican build demonizing a wall, yeah, on the border of U.S. Bullshit. and Mexico, yeah, and and like I can look at that guy, and I can I can there's like one percent of me that can imagine that he doesn't believe it. You know, like he like doesn't really, but it, the downside of that is that it means he doesn't fucking care. Like, yeah, I could never decide which was worse. Like, if he actually believed all that shit, or if he just didn't care that and he what was that, lying all the time. The end result of that is that people who actually do believe that stuff end up rallying to your cause. Yes. So this this all leads up to last Tuesday. We're we're exactly one week out. I actually like exactly a week ago i think i think you left my house Susanna and i were home like clutching each other and and trying to figure out how things had happened this way but polling for months and for basically the entire election had clinton ahead by like the margin went up and down but generally in almost every polling model that existed she was expected to have a comfortable four or five point lead which like for the reasons we talked about earlier in american politics like that's pretty good yeah Um, some places had it narrowing to two or three in the week before the election because of the two fbi letters um i can't even talk about the email thing which i can't say that like her lead was at its peak right after that video the sexual assault video happened and then like all like the dozen women who came forward and accused him of sexual assault yep happened it was like mid to late october was her peak and then this fbi thing happens and there is gonna be like a natural tightening effect like after like if you give any given scandal two or three weeks stuff's gonna start evening out because the american electorate is apparently just that fickle and stupid well and people don't like hillary clinton like she's been around long enough for enough people to decide that they don't like her for whatever mm-hmm. reason yeah and only so much was going to change that yeah um and like apparently more than a dozen women coming forward was not enough to change that yeah um more people of color coming forward and saying that guy scares the bejesus out of me was not enough to change that um so do you do you want to talk about our like the like the day leading up and like the night and like the day after i just feel like everybody's gonna have a story about how that went right i watched pennsylvania go and my heart sank out of my stomach and onto the floor yeah this is at like 3 a.m eastern and i had not slept and I decided that I didn't need my heart anymore, and I went to sleep. I just left it there, and I picked it up n- the next morning and shoved it back up my butt and decided Damn, that I would live. That's not where your heart goes. Well, I had to <laughs> – this election's been weird. And <laughs> and I decided that I would continue living um, because people have it worse off than me, and I can 
spend my heart juices to get things going for them. Yeah, that's um, that's like the whole thing. And again, but that's like, another thing we'll, we can get into later. But uh. but and all and so that that was that I uh, I've been in rehearsals for a show that opens the day after we record this. Um, one of my actors has been an activist for his entire life and he's pushing 70 and I just, I couldn't imagine that we'd let him down. Um, and my other actor is a woman that I just, ugh, I felt like I needed to apologize to. Um, and I walk through center city, Philadelphia every day where there are women and people of color making this city possible. Mm-hmm. Um, especially walking around an area that is like a hospital campus where there are uh, immigrants and first generation people um, and son and sons and daughters of immigrants and folks who are like making their life in this country by helping other people. Uh, and that is the definition of what being American is to them. And I just want to like, if it weren't the very definition of assault, I want to walk up to them and like grab them by the shoulders and say, I'm sorry. Like it's, yeah, sucks. I mean, that, that's, that's something that we, that's like an impulse. We have to, there's so many impulses as white dudes that we have to fight. And that's like, one of them is to like fucking make it about us. <laughs> and it's, Oh, and it's not at all, but like, man. Yeah, no, I, I completely get it. And I, I don't know. So that was that's kind of where I was like Laura's dismayed um particularly worried about Mike Pence um yeah he's not the the fact that Trump is such a clown kind of obscures the fact that everybody else who's running is like believes basically the same stuff but is more covert about it is like gives a wow, gives an man. air of respectability to it and believes it with more conviction. Yeah. And that's kind of what's scary. Yeah, um, Cuz I think I think in my heart of hearts that Trump will just believe whoever talked to him last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About any given issue. But and the <laughs> problem is is that he's there's not enough like good people that want to spend time with him in any real way. I cannot fucking imagine why. No, yeah so like my my tuesday like the day i was pretty optimistic because i'd been like keeping track of the polls like the whole time i i did not imagine i had any reason to be worried at all yep um susanna was worried but she's like a warrior so i was like i was trying to be like cognizant of that and supportive of that but i was pretty confident Yep, me too. And so we we went over, we got to your house like 7.30 or 8, and we were watching the election returns come in. And early on, like, polls don't close and start closing till like 7 or 8 Eastern. So it was pretty early, and not even a lot of stuff had happened yet. And I think by 9.30 or 10, it had started to become apparent that things were not going great. Yep. Um, and then by the time you roll into, because the all the predictions and like based on the polls and stuff for, for this election said basically for Trump to win, he has to, like he has to take like every swing state. He has to do all this stuff that was, and it was just like mathematically, most people did not consider it to be possible. And by the time you get to like 
11 or so, it had become Clinton who had like the super narrow path to victory. And it just was not everything all night had been like so far in Trump's favor that it was just like, it started to set in around 11, 1130 that like, this is probably going to happen. Like something that I had been blithely telling myself would not and could not happen. Yeah. I didn't do months for months and months. I I, didn't do any mental homework on what Wednesday was going to feel like. Yeah. Cause I figured like the thing I was the most looking forward to was just the election being done. Yep. Like I was, cause we like, we especially during big elections we like keep up with it and we talk about it and we follow it and we vote and but like honestly during the off years like i'm just i i don't totally disengage but i definitely don't follow it that closely yeah i do like mustard whatever i need to muster to like vote in midterm elections and stuff but i don't like i don't pay anywhere near the same amount of attention it's just like i think about other stuff yeah, yeah. And I was looking forward to after months and months and months being able to go back to looking at other stuff mode and the and the system is not great and fundamentally like worrisome in a lot of ways, but yeah. and there were going to need to be some things that we were going to hold a a possible president Clinton to. Like there were going there was going to be some stuff that needed to get done. Yeah, but like so I, I I believed that that vacant Supreme Court seat would end up going to a like moderate to liberal nominee, like the guy President Obama nominated Merrick, Merrick Garland, Garland is yep. like was designed to make Republicans look bad because he does lean left, I think. But he was like a whole, a whole yeah, to make a, them look bad. A whole bunch of the Republicans are like on the record at some point in the past as saying that he would be a good Supreme Court justice. Like he didn't like he on purpose did not pick somebody super leftist and like divisive because he he figured that something like this was gonna end up happening. But um yeah, like we, so Susanna and I, we like were just laying in bed. We like went to bed around eleven thirty. I don't think either of us got any sleep until four, and it was just like pure exhaustion at that point. Like I knocked out for like two or three hours, yeah. and um, and the the next morning I woke up and I had like I had an email from Apple who I cover for work, and they wanted me to come up to New York City to grab some uh some hardware from them and like and i was like hey can you just fedex it and they were like well we'd really rather not and so i had to do this like the only reason i got up out of bed and left the house that day was because i needed to make like an emergency trip up to new york and so i go and i'm like i i i felt like somebody had died yeah or something had died like i I agree with you. It was it was the like a feeling of losing something, not just the election, but like losing your picture of what your country is. Yep. And I know that that comes from a position of privilege because like because we're like white guys and we're like, oh, yeah, we're white guys. We helped elect Obama. Like everything's going really good. Yeah. 
like racism isn't over, but we got that shit on the run. Like it's going to be good. And so I'm like, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm walking and I'm hungry and like, I happen to be like, I can see a Chipotle. So I'm just like, fine. I imagine, I imagine if I get E. coli and die, like great. Somehow (laughs) when you say like, I see a Chipotle, like the entire skyline of Manhattan just disappears. It's a, it's a Chipotle on a hill. Yeah. A a shining Chipotle on a hill. Mm -hmm. Filled with all the carnitas that you can possibly fit in your stupid mouth. And so I go, like I go in and there's this like 19 year old white kid with a make America great again hat on. Yep. Saying that there's no evidence that Donald Trump hates black people and that the Jewish people are not like an ethnically homogenous block of people anymore. So like, how can you possibly discriminate against all of them? And those are reasonable. Those are, those are reasonable statements made by a very terrible person. <sighs> and by reasonable, I mean unconscionable. And how could you dare exist on this planet? So like, so it's like I'm dealing with that. I got this fucking fist in my stomach, just this giant pit. Yep. And I get my stupid burrito. And I like I texted my mom and my mom and dad have always voted Republican. 99% sure they voted Trump. And I just like I have to live with that. Sure. Um. And so I had texted her the night before that we were like not doing great because I like I don't think I wanted to make them feel bad, but I just wanted to like impress upon them. Yep. Because we had just had like a pretty good visit where they came to see the new house and they came to see Philly and like it went like it went pretty well. I even had a talk with my dad about politics where we didn't get into a big fight, which is something. (laughs) Yeah. And um, and she was like, I don't even. She was she was being very like conciliatory and very like, you know, bad. You know, the country's gone through bad stuff before, and it it's, it can do it again. And I'm praying for the country and whatever. And I'm I'm like, so I'm in this Chipotle. I'm trying to explain to my mom like why I'll miss Obama because that's like that's what's really getting me is like we elected this prog- progressive like calm wonderful guy to the presidency for two terms and then in comes his complete opposite not just in policy but in like temperament and in speaking style and it just it feels like so much like 2008 and 2012 like felt pretty good and that it's kind of it kind of is erased by this almost because his legacy is going to get wrecked by a by a Trump presidency like because Trump is Republican and because Republicans control both houses of Congress like they can pretty like if they can get their shit together they can do pretty much whatever they want um yeah. and so I'm, so I'm doing this and then like all of a sudden I'm like crying in a Chipotle and I have not cried in literally eight years and that I was crying that time because of college like college graduation and leaving all my friends in the whole world behind forever (laughs) yeah and that was pretty much it like that was the that was the day after for me it was just like this intense feeling of loss and of not being normal and of not being okay yeah it's no it's not okay um 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know. I, I've had the I've had the gift of being so immersed in work this week that I've only, I've had time to think about things, but not as much as I normally would. Um and so I feel like after my show opens I'm gonna have like another period of, of grief and mourning about all of this because I've just I've been able to stave it off a little bit. Um but yeah, Inaug- inauguration day is going to be rough. I don't know if anything else is going to be, but I'm going to be I'm going to be at the at the march in Philly. There's a women's march in Philly and DC on inauguration day. I think there are plans for it. Yeah, so I would I would like I would like to go to the DC one if I can, but we'll just see. Um Yeah. Um Yeah, and it it's been a it, and then like as we I know we're like eyeing like where we're going to take this episode next, like I, we're going to eventually get to a like action steps section and what and what we're feeling that we're able yeah, to do that's, yeah um but like first like i just want everybody listening to know that like if you at all are feeling less safe because of this election like i i if i had the means to be in a place where i could directly support you i would be like if I could like splinter myself into a thousand million people and do that, I would, <laughs> um, because like this week has been a real wake up call. A- and you look at you look at like some of the numbers, and you look at the fact that like Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, so uh, that's one thing in the country's favor. You look at the fact that uh, plenty of people. Um, more so than I'm comfortable with, but plenty of people voted for Trump because he was a Republican candidate and they had concerns about economics and they felt like they had been left behind by the country. Voted for it, him despite not liking him. Exactly. Voted for him despite not liking him and voted for him despite racism and misogyny and anti-Semitism in his campaign. Like, okay, I I have problems with people who did that, but like I have to acknowledge that they exist because uh, they need to help us move our country forward. Also, I have to acknowledge like that they exist. Ugh, I don't need to. I don't need to approve their vote because I. That's don't. the fucking thing. And we talked about. We tried to talk about where we wanted to take the show, and I think it's kind of gotten away from us. And like, whatever. That's what working out your feelings is like. Yeah. But um, I wanted I wanted to like draw a distinction between how I feel about people who voted for Trump and how I feel about Trump himself. Sure. Um. And I like if we I've we probably statistically right we've got to have listeners who voted for Trump and I I can't imagine they would still be listening at this point. No, in I, this, I imagine in this that particular they episode turned this episode off and um, like maybe you come back next time. If you if you did, in all honesty, I would I would really like to hear from you. And I've already like on Twitter, I've already tried to like talk to some people and like diffuse some stuff. And I, but like I don't I don't think that just because you voted for trump like i'm not i'm personally not going to call you a racist i'm not going to ask you craig to agree i'm not going to ask any of the listeners to agree i'm not gonna go right there i think the actual hardcore racist component of trump's electorate just happens to be the loudest part of it I think they have been empowered by his election in some really awful ways. Like our Philadelphia is like a deep blue spit on the eastern edge of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And, mm-hmm. and yet yep. 
And yet we've had like Sig Heil, Trump, Trump rules, black bitch, like spray painted on buildings and cars, like swastikas. Like my half Jewish wife got to walk past a building that had had a swastika painted on it on her way Um, to the gym. Yeah, almost uh, all of the black students of the freshman class at Penn received a message uh, with uh, racist rhetoric in it um, from a student from a student who uh, is in Oklahoma, but got access to it because he received admission to Penn. So you know, things are things are going pretty terrible. Yeah, Um, just like. And again, like part of this is our like white privilege bubble is like never having to experience the feeling of being so disappointed in our country and also kind of scared by it. Yep. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a similar, that is a similar feeling that I'm dealing with as uh, guilt over not being more of an activist sooner. That's That's the fucking, that's the next thing. That's, that's the next part of our conversation. Um, but it, it is similar, um, and, and it's also, like, you can take a look at this show in a way and in the ways that we have tried to grow as people and as readers and as, like, dudes in the world trying to create space for people, um, both in the books that we choose and the guests that we have and the voices that we listen to and the voices that we're interested in. Um, And it's a constant thing that we're thinking about. And I I feel like we can always be doing a better job and the listeners do a really good job of pushing us to do a better job. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that is like part and parcel with the work that I know that you and I are feeling like we need to do now. And that goes back to what you were saying when you were like, man, what if we just elected centrist grandma and we could just like chill for two months like that was the goal and it didn't happen and now like not like uh, not only are we dealing with um the fact that there are people in the executive branch who literally don't know how it works um and people in the executive branch who are outright racist and uh, misogynist and xenophobic Trump is appointed not as his chief of staff, but as like a secondary chief of staff who doesn't need to be vetted by Congress has appointed Steve Bannon, who is literally a neo-Nazi and white nationalist. Like, fuck that noise. Yep. Fuck that noise. He's not a provocateur. He's not controversial. He is a racist, bigoted, white nationalist, neo-Nazi, and fuck him. And on top of that, he, in the loosest sense of the word has a press outlet so yeah until august that... he ran breitbart news and i'm sure he never talks to anybody who writes at that publication now so by because he's so that... like he's so clearly worried about fucking ethical standards by bringing that into the white house you are uh fully jeopardizing even more so than you have already certain freedoms of the press that as i know you have been talking about online are like a lot of them are just kind of like understandings they're not law yeah like the like president, the right the to freedom of the press is, not, is a law but the, like the 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 conventions of how that gets expressed are not law the president is not required to like travel with the press pool he's not required to do any of that stuff it's just like decades and decades of norms 
yep. have built that into the system. And then we have a guy come in who is like, who doesn't give a shit about the norms and also does not suffer any visible political consequences for doing that. And it's yep. just, and he's also made all kind like he and his like top aides have made all kinds of threats to the press, like before and after the election. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's looking it that that is looking bad for the press. And we we there are some bright spots that I want to talk about later too. But like, I'm just here's so here's here's where I am on like the effect of a Trump presidency on America is. I think he he fucking doesn't have the range, right? Like he has no he patience. He actually doesn't have the range. He has no patience for governing and he is I I just don't I don't think that he is going to be particularly involved. Like there there have been um articles already and if you haven't read them, like we can probably link you, but articles about how he like wants to go home to Trump Tower on the weekends and like Security how he just doesn't yep. he doesn't want to spend that much time in DC and it's it's clear that one, he did not expect to win. Like he's as surprised about this outcome as we are. And two, he is just, he is not going to like hang in there as a full-time president. And that more like, I think like Trump is a, is a narcissistic fool and he can be played and he can be guided. I'm not even as worried about him as I am about the people who the unelected people who he's sweeping into office with him because they mostly fall into one of two groups. So you've got people who people like Steve Bannon who are on the fringes of politics and saw Trump's candidacy as a, as an opportunity to get their bile into the mainstream. And then there are formerly mainstream politicians who have been thoroughly disgraced for one reason or another. Like you've got Rudy Giuliani, who's so riddled with with ethics problems that it's like he merited an entire article about it in The New York Times. There is Newt Gingrich, who was the Speaker of the House in the 90s and was fined like three hundred thousand dollars for violating ethics standards. There's like Sarah Palin, who was the vice presidential nominee in 2008 and is completely just, I don't like, I don't know. Chris Christie, whose aides were convicted of doing vindictive shit to their political opponents. It, ben like the ben list Carson, who does not may not serve in the cabinet because he doesn't feel he's qualified enough, even though he ran for president, he ran for president. So yeah, he's just got a stable full of winners. And like I don't like I like these are the people he's they're gonna be whispering in his ear and he's gonna rubber stamp the shit that they say, and that is fucking terrifying to me. Yeah. And and it clears the way for a Congress that has uh a party controlling both houses and is trying to advance an agenda that they feel like they've been stalled on for eight years with no compromise. And that's scary to me because um, it's it's going to be a lot. It's, I mean, it's a lot of stuff targeting LGBTQ folks. It's a lot of stuff targeting women. Like stuff like targeting there immigrants. there's a very there's a very real chance that there could be like a Muslim registry started. There's a very real chance that the Black Lives Matter movement could be categorized as a terrorist group. Like this is all stuff that Trump or his advisors have said they will do or implied that they will do at some point during the campaign. 
Yep. And as white dudes, we could kind of tune that out because, of course, it was never going to happen. And now we're now we're where we are. Yeah. And if like if we'd recorded this podcast a week ago or like five days ago or even like over the weekend, I think it would be different. I think it would be more about like dealing with our grief and like the grief that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are feeling. Sure. Um. But like at this point, I do. I did feel like around around like Friday, Saturday, I thawed out finally, and I could like experience the full spectrum of human emotions again, which was yeah, which was nice because I was pretty dead there for a few days. It felt like uh, somewhere overnight on Tuesday, someone had implanted a muscle in my chest that was attached to my sternum that was just tight it was too small for me and was like like the grinch yeah it was like pulling uncomfortably on my rib cage for like four days and i recognize there are people for whom that is like your life because of uh society and i and i'm i'm sorry i got to like live with that for four days and i can't even imagine that being a thing that anybody feels more than that um, but like you said, I started to thaw over the weekend and it thawed into this resolve. Yeah, I'm um, fucking mad. Like, I'm going to fucking mess it up, you know? Like, yeah. that's. It is kind of so, like cool and kind of like, I kind of, oh, it sounds shitty. I wish I've been doing this already because it kind of, uh-huh. like, it's time. It's time and it's time. And I feel guilty that it wasn't time before, but like, I thought that what I was doing enough was enough and now yep. norms I are thought, out the like, window and it's not the like half, the, the, half the country half the country doesn't vote so by paying attention to politics and voting like i was being a good citizen and well no actually like yep you were being you were doing literally the least you could do well the game done changed you were being look- a you were being a passive citizen and here's here's where you are now yep like yep. you're the state that you fucking just moved to three months ago breaking in favor of trump was a, like a death blow to Hillary Clinton's candidacy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was playing with that upshot the entire Tuesday night, and I just kept PA as Clinton, and it was giving me hope for hours. Um. So, yeah, this is, this is fucked, but, like, let's do something about it now because that's all we can do. Um. Yeah, like that's that's the complicated roller coaster that I've been on is like I was I was hoping to go back to not thinking about like not having it occupy this much of my mind or my time. Yeah. And like there are just there are spots in the day where that that like anger and that resolve just like shrinks for a minute and I just feel tired. Yeah. But like, it's not an option. You and I, like we, especially you and I, especially white dudes, especially white women, we don't, you don't get, we don't get to feel tired because like nope. this is on us. This is, yep. it's unequivocally on us. Like you can go look at the stats and it's unequivocally on us. You can also go look at the stats and look at like voter suppression. And this is the first election in a long time without the full protection of the Voting Rights Act. And, like, yeah, we got to do something. Also. We got to do something about that. But, like, in the meantime, white people, it's on us. And, like, if you don't feel like it's on you, you need to find the other white people who it is on because it's actually all on us. Yeah. And like, you need to talk to your people. 
it's I never want to feel the way I felt on Wednesday and Tuesday ever again. Ever again. Never want to feel that way. And like the country's the the country's the same. Like the, we, like Clinton won the popular vote. The like we're all still here. The good the good people who I thought represented America like actually are literally are all, still are here. Are still here. Yeah. That's that's a cool thing. That's like when you were saying earlier about like what are the bright spots? Like there's still cool people. There's still people who uh were were willing to like compromise on some shit to hold off just like oblivion. And we and, need more people like that frankly yeah. going forward. Like I do I I want to Talk about. We want to talk about. So just to, just to like bring it back to strategy a little bit. Like we talked earlier about the the American system, and it was like mostly on the federal level. But you've also got the state level where mm-hmm. um, Republicans control a majority of governorships and a majority of state legislatures. Correct. And what happens is that every ten years, uh, the census happens. So they like everybody goes around and they count how many people live in which place. And based on that, they split the country up into congressional districts and that decides like who gets a congressman and and that kind of stuff. And and the states are primarily responsible for that. Correct. And one of the things that um, we've been dealing with is that the districts in 2010 were split up to be very unfavorable to Democrats. So like what happens is that cities overwhelmingly vote Democratic and they have so, so many votes that like like what Republicans do is they will like split a democratic section up. So it's just a small part of multiple districts that then that can then go Republican. Like, does that make, if you're on the outside of the system, would that make sense to you? Like as an explanation? Sure. The, the, the Republican party is doing this. Yes. Yeah. Um. So like what needs to happen going forward is that we need to, we need to get Democrats into state legislatures, into governorships. Mm-hmm. We need to get Democrats into Congress so they can more effectively check a Trump administration's power. Mm-hmm. And we also need to build something that's going to last and not like we can't have every election like come down to the wire like this. We just can't. We can't. No. Always be on the defensive. Nope. Correct. Because I truly think that, like, that's that's not the that's not the future of America is like I think I think I've got to believe it's like fundamentally moving in a good and more just and more diverse direction. Correct. Because that's like the way the demographics are just naturally moving, and that's yep. That's a big thing that I've like really come to love as somebody who came to cities like later in life. Mm-hmm. It's like that's 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 America, you know. Like that's it's just it, we need everybody. We need everybody we got. Yeah, we really do. And so um, the the like what you and I, what people like you and I need to do is we need to get active. Like we need to 
you just like step one is like calling your senators and representatives and telling them what you think about shit because they represent you and they don't know what you think if you don't tell them about it. Like if they hear from you once every two or four years when you cast a vote, like that's not often enough, dog. <laughs> no, because because they're making a lot of decisions in between. Um, you have to be careful. There's a lot, there's like twenty thousand Twitter threads going on about this right now. Like, don't spend don't waste your time and don't waste their time on people who don't literally represent you yes if um, if, if they are not your state senator please do not call them but you can uh talk to folks in higher office like one of the things that i've been trying to do is like get folks at the governor or senate or house level of my state to like tell me about who in local legislature i they think i should support and not to say that like i'm gonna listen to them blindly but if i voted for that person well maybe i want to find out about who else i should i should vote for in the coming elections um and just like thinking about the parties that you're voting for and thinking about them as not just two people who ran for president but like a bunch of people up and down the chain who make decisions about the world that you live in um, and who ostensibly represent you. And it's, it does, it does. I recommend, I recognize that it does fundamentally suck to basically have to pick one of two options. And it does like those, like two parties cannot conceivably contain the entirety of the American experience, but they cannot. what needs to happen. And I think this is especially true for Democrats going forward based on the way I've seen like liberal Twitter work is like we need to be like cooler about it. If somebody only like 70 or 80% agrees with us. Sure. I agree with that. It needs to be like democracy is not about voting for your ideal candidate and staying home. If they don't happen to like end up, it's about educating yourself on the issues, educating yourself on the candidates and going and voting for the person who best realizes like how you feel sure and and cultivating that in your communities and in your families and in and in your friend groups, right and and you also you have those fights about about like exactly what you believe like you you talk with family at home you have that fight out in the primary and then like you go out and you you just you have to stay engaged like don't stay home please don't stay home <laughs> And there, I think there are plenty of uh, local elections in 2017 that folks should be paying attention to uh, yeah. in that regard, um, because I can already see in the wake of the presidential election the ways in which Philly is gearing up for uh, some whew, some deserving fights against the state and federal government. Um, on a lot of different issues. And so like, if you live in a similar situation and you feel passionate about that stuff, like look into who is representing you at a really local level um, and start to get those facts straight so that you can participate and act moving forward. Yeah. Like give money, give time, like whatever you have to give, at least consider giving a little of it because I think a little really does go a long way. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've seen people on on Twitter and like elsewhere like there there's been this 
this impulse among Democrats, I think, to to become introspective about the election and especially to like think about, OK, what are we what are we not doing to understand like the person who's not explicitly racist, but who voted for Trump anyway? Sure. Because like we talked about earlier, I do think that's that's like a big part of his base. And it does like, listen, it does suck that you decided that all the racist shitty shit that he said was not a big enough deal that you couldn't vote for. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to let you off the hook for it. Trump voters, if you're out there still somehow, but I think like if, if you like me go home to your family who thinks entirely differently from you politically and you just like sit on your hands and like, don't engage them and don't like try to share stuff with them. Like, Stop it. Sure. Sure. Like get into some maybe potentially uncomfortable arguments. And if then they're your family and hopefully they'll decide that they love you anyway. But like if you have experiences that make you believe certain things, like if you believe that gay people should be able to get married and have kids, or if you believe that women shouldn't be sexually assaulted, (laughs) controversial, I know. But like, if you believe that stuff, strongly i think you owe it to yourself and to them to like try and convey that and don't like don't lecture no like keep in like keep your audience in mind try not to you well, know what i mean i don't know no I, and i I, I feel like I've, I've lost the thread a little bit but like I've got- i also feel like i also feel like plenty of our listeners know this already and so there is an element of of choir preaching that I know that we've been doing, and we kind of came into this knowing that we just needed to vent and needed to say some shit, not just to like people who might be listening, but almost to ourselves. Yeah, but um, you and I have not had a, a full scale conversation about this since it happened because you've been busy and I've been whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's like that's gonna happen, and and. I don't, I don't, you and I have never, like, we are not, this was the first election where I felt like both of us were, like, paying attention at close to the same level. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it felt like the stakes were higher than they've ever been before, so holy fucking shit, we need to be talking about this. Um, (laughs) But, like, it's also, it, it is, it is interesting to to discover something in yourself that is like one of the, okay. So this is, this is me. I don't know if I've talked, I think I've said this to you like digitally, but not on air or in person, but like one of the things that's been really unsettling about the last week. And again, it comes from my base existence being basically okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, don't get it twisted. Like, you and I are the least likely to be directly impacted by this stuff, no. and that's why we need to stay fucking mad as hell about it. Yeah, and and that exactly is what has felt so, not alien is the wrong word, but like, I feel so unjust. I guess I don't know. But is also, that the like, word? like, well, I'm just speaking personally. Like my day to day personality, my, the person who I am on a daily basis, Craig. is Craig. That's me. That's my name. <laughs> is so like water off a duck's back. What space do you need? What space can I give you? Um, to anyone that I'm talking to, and so to like on a daily basis, 
be angry about people and be like, I, mm, it's not, like, it's not comfortable for you. It's not it's like you're really being combative about stuff is not like your default it is position not or my even, default or even at all. anything that you're particularly good at. No, I wouldn't say that it necessarily is. Um, and like that feeling of not being myself has been a really shitty feeling in the past week. But like that is a small price to pay. Um, and like that's kind of getting me through that weird transition and it's also like maybe this is just a real rough version of growing up in a, in when you like I'm I just turned 30 and like okay this is who I am now I'm just going to be some I'm going to be fucking pissed about some shit and I'm going to do some shit about it like that's not who I was 3 months ago even well like I think you and I had the advantage of like we we could both vote in two thousand four. Oh, we don't, we don't need to like we don't need to like get into that. But like mostly, you and I have come up in a political age where stuff was pretty much going our way. Like, I two thousand two thousand eight was like yeah, definitely this is like a re- repudiation of the Bush years and. Mm-hmm. And things are going well in 2012. It's like, okay, maybe Obama hasn't been perfect, but he's been pretty good. And I like him better than this white guy. <laughs> I mean, and like we've, so we've, we've done elections and like, it's like maybe Congress hasn't gone great or like other stuff has been happening, but we, we both go and we both vote and basically what we want to happen at a national level happens and we can go home and we can feel good about ourselves. Like, and, and now this election is presenting us with like real adversity. And so the question is like, how do, how do we respond to that? Well, that's part of it. It's when we're in, it's part of it is like where we're, where it's hitting us in our lives. Like I voted in 2004. I waited 10 hours to vote. I voted for the guy who lost it fucking sucked. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I still got to stay in that was my freshman year of college, so I got to stay in the bubble of little liberal arts uh, campground in the middle of Ohio, mm-hmm. and so like the impact of that loss was not going to be felt on me directly. Um, it was felt directly on a lot of other people, but I did I did not get a whiff of that the same way that I'm getting a whiff of it now. And and this election is worse, I would say. Um, well, I think pretty much anybody would agree that. Compared to Trump, like George W. Bush is a come is on a, back, sir. Is a gentleman and a scholar. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you got a puppy the other day. Like, let's talk about it. Like, let's talk um, about your paintings. Jesus, they're really they're really something. But like, yeah, this one and and for some of our friends, like this was the first election where they voted for someone who lost. Um, this was the first election. And for most of us, where it feels like something just fucking went wrong, something like, failed. Like there like, should there should be things in place that keep shit like Tuesday from happening. Somewhat like I've been, I a friend of mine once all like almost went on a roller coaster without being buckled in properly. Like she probably would have been ripped apart by G forces if someone hadn't said like stop the coaster and then they like put her back in and she had to ride it anyway, which is terrifying. <laughs> but like what? this what? election, yeah, it was nuts. This election feels like 
that dude was not there to stop the ride before it left the station. Mm-hmm. And like now we're just going and who knows what could happen. The G forces are out of control. Um, and in the so, meantime, yeah. we have to like wrestle with those feelings and pick ourselves the fuck back up and say, well, it does, doesn't matter. Time to do the work. Like time to call people, time to donate your money, time to donate your time time to read even more about the presidency than you thought you were going to when we were going to elect grandma yeah. like it's yeah. time like i've like i so things i've done in the last week is i started donating to um the aclu mm-hmm. to uh planned parenthood and to the electronic frontier foundation which is like a very a privacy focused like tech activist oh, sure. group yep yep um Susanna and I have been like started donating to Kenyon, which mm-hmm. is the school where we went to, where like I learned a lot of the like empathy and compassion and stuff that I want to see in the world in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I am now a paying subscriber to the New York Times and to the Washington Post because mm-hmm. we need good journalism. We need good independent journalism. Mm-hmm. Like money, money is something I I've got, sure. and I like. If you can set up a recurring donation to anybody, a one-time donation is fine if that's what you can handle, but recurring is better because if you know how much money you're going to have, you can plan better. Correct. Um, If you can set up recurring donations to places you... um, you think are going to do good work um civil liberties uh environmental stuff privacy focused um women's rights like there there are tons and tons of things and i think we can probably link a couple posts that have some good mm-hmm. um organizations that you can donate to like please do that please subscribe to to like anytime you've run into a newspaper's paywall and like opened up an incognito tab consider subscribing <laughs> yeah um like if if you can spare like like 20 30 100 dollars a month like cumulatively you can support a lot of different places with that money Mm -hmm. and just like please do it please if you can't like volunteer if you can't pick up the phone like at least do that yeah at least support people who do have the the time and the the like the mindset and the energy and the expertise yeah yep yeah part of it is is finding people with the right expertise we we could do a whole if we were not doing a book podcast and we were just doing an andrew and craig get angry podcast um which sometimes is also our book podcast we could could probably do a whole episode on the death of the expert but like find experts that know their shit that you trust that you like um support them because trump's candidacy was all about like tearing institutions apart and building distrust for these these institutions and so like we we gotta fight back against that yep pick institutions you think are doing good work and support the shit out of them because that's what Um, needs to happen and if you're looking to get involved at a local level like we're a book podcast go find your nearest library see how it's doing see what community offerings they have see if you can participate see if you can give money see if you can donate books like that is a great way to just make sure that the next generation of americans like knows what's up um because that that is another real fear that i have in, in the coming administration so that's the thing that you can do um 
We I haven't just, even. We, there's like a whole like world of stuff that you could be doing right now. It's just I've, it's it's. Here's the thing: is that if you if you are if you listening are at the level that Craig and I were at, where you occasionally think about doing something more and like talk yourself out of it or let yourself get busy and like push it out of your mind or whatever. Like if you've ever had that impulse, like take the shitty way that you've been feeling for the last week and like whittle it to a point and like fight somebody with it, (laughs) you know, like take, take the feelings that you are feeling and do something productive and, and helpful and like optimistic with them. Yep. Like that's, that's the first step is just like donate money, donate time, do research, get engaged, like call your, call your representatives. Like I'm not going to tell you to run for local office, but if you have that in you and you think you would do a good job at one, like do it because we need like the reason politics sucks is because everybody who would be like good says, Oh, I don't want to run for politics because I True. don't politics seems like it sucks. Um, but I'm just I, like, if you're feeling like you need to do something like, please, please, please chase that feeling because like 2017, 2018, 2020, these are all going to be, years where we can where we can make a statement and say what happened in 2016 sucked and we are committed to never letting it happen again yep i would agree with that um center and magnify the voices of people who are different than you especially Defend if you're white people who are different from you if you see them yep. Like, do whatever safety pin shit you want. Like, I'm not going to say anything either way about that. Um, well, maybe I am. <laughs> well, you kind of just did. Be- beware performative acts of allyship that don't actually do anything. I would say beware performative acts of allyship that you aren't willing to back up. Yeah. Like, don't wear a safety pin and think that that's like enough. That's enough. Wear a safety pin, and if you see somebody, like a person of color or a woman getting threatened on a train or in the street, like, especially if you're a white dude, like, you are, you're like a chameleon. Like, they don't even know, you know? Like, they don't, they don't know you're not in their corner, those white supremacist fucks. Like, your, your body is the safest kind of body there is. And so, like, use it and, like, put it between hate and, people who don't have the privilege that you do correct (laughs) you seem like nonplussed about the shit that i said no you're you're right i'm just i'm trying to think ahead to what else we need to say um in the coming in the coming months we're going to be doubling down our efforts i think for just in terms of the show i think we're going to be doubling down our efforts to uh discuss stories by authors of color and uh, non-male gender um, when appropriate just to keep uh, more diverse voices. In and the, it's something in we've already been trying, like in 2016, we 
I think Wait, we, we still yeah. we like started a spreadsheet so we could track it and like correct it if we were reading too many white dudes in a row, <laughs> just and, like and, by default. And like we are we are gonna keep chasing that. I think so. So if that ends up like delaying some Patreon requests or something like that, know that that's kind of why we're doing that. Um, yeah, and we're just the show is just like man, our listenership rules, and I I feel like we are. I'm trying to live my life in a way that honors you guys um, and gals and everyone else who's listening. It's like a it's like a weird byproduct of doing this show is that like now I'm like hyper aware that there are people who care about what I do in the world. And yeah, like it was I want to make the, good on that. One of the things that kept me afloat on Tuesday, Wednesday was that yeah. just a lot of people like writing on Facebook and writing on Twitter that like listening to us made them feel better and so that like that's one reason i want to kind of confine this election stuff to one show is like i want to keep giving people that like that that, show that that, show yeah that that show like not not necessarily escapism but just like very open and and goofy and like just something fun something good i want to be putting that out into the world well, and and reinforcing the passions that yeah, people practice, have yes. for books and for reading and for sharing stories, because that's very important to me. Um, and I think that's what our show does really well when we're really firing on all cylinders. So I don't want this a lot of the stuff that we're talking about this episode to, to detract from that. But we needed to do like we couldn't in good conscience not have this discussion because like. I we think we both just needed to say to each other with an open mic like where we are and the what hot we're trying mic. to with a it's hot mic. A hot mic. <laughs> it's also open. Um it's another term I, that you can I, use. An open mic podcast would be like the worst. That's thing. not what I mean, all oh, you oh my god. Who's hey, how's everybody feeling tonight? How's everybody you know how men be like this? <laughs> God, and, and women then other be like men, this, and then other men be like this. Pop tarts, am I right? <laughs> um, but we we kind of we just needed to do it, and it, there are elements of it that are selfish, and there are elements of it that are selfless, and I, and we're kind of winding down. I sound, I feel like we're I think doing we are too. Yeah. So if anyone's still listening, thank you. If anyone is still listening and thinks we like missed a crucial. Uh, step of action like shoot it to us over email at overduepod at gmail.com or on facebook and twitter at overduepod um like keep us honest keep us engaged we're going to be trying to do the same for our own damn selves um andrew if folks like if this was cool but they want to get back can we get back to books please if they want (laughs) to If they want to honor my Hamilton reference, where should they go? They can go to overduepodcast.com. I'm not going to go through the whole spiel. Like We just have a bunch of links up there. You can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and RSS. Rate us and review us on iTunes if you like us. Well, do it either way, but especially if you like us. <laughs> um, we have links to like HeadGum, our podcast networks, Breaker, our podcast host, um, our Patreon project. Just anything you can do to support us is so, so appreciated. Um. And yeah, like I think you and I individually are going to keep trying to push stuff and like 
and be good like citizens and it, like if you we don't talk about our individual twitter feeds on this show a lot but i'm at andrew writes and craig is at mc getting and um we're gonna keep trying to to push stuff there i think but just yeah like, if you if you somehow follow me expecting to hear about like whatever bullshit i was tweeting about like i don't know what it was but like a week ago that done all changed so like when baseball season rolls around, I'll still be yelling weird dudes' names, but like, <laughs> there's a little bit more going on there now. And thank you for everybody who's like sticking it out. Yeah, right. Um, just, just thank you for listening. You guys, you guys keep us afloat, and I hope that we can help to do the same for you. Um, we'll we'll be back on Monday to talk about books again. But until then, everybody, please be safe, be active, be mad, be sad, be whatever you need to be. Be be kind be rageful be accommodating <laughs> to people who deserve it and be hungry if you need and to be an annoyance to people who don't deserve it mm-hmm. be but drunk if be, you're of age be and drunk like, if you need to fu- but not too drunk <laughs> just like just like go to a party and have a good time <laughs> throw a party and have a good time but andrew most importantly most importantly try to be happy That was a HeadGum Podcast.